All right. Well, good morning, everyone. All right. Great to uh, see you. I, I know we have the uh, children singing this morning, so probably achieving perfect silence is going to be a little difficult. I think we're doing good right now, but we understand. Just a couple quick announcements. If you're visiting with us today, we want to welcome you. And uh, we have a, a cafe out uh, back here. As you leave the auditorium, we serve some snacks and some coffee. We trust that you'll be able to stay around and get to know some uh, folks from our church family, and we want the opportunity to welcome you. Uh, our Christmas Eve service will be at 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve. Okay, my ADD just went into hyperdrive. <laughs> Um, so, and then Christmas Day, our service will be at 10.30. We will not have child care on Christmas Day and New Year's Day, just as a kind of a heads up for those uh, that have children. Um, the announcement on the, that this young lady shared with us, Rita, is that there were 200 million uh, shoeboxes this year uh, that Compassion is sending out, which is uh, amazing. Um, that number they hit this year, so that's, that's awesome. So and thank you uh, to every one of you that helped with getting boxes together. They go out and are shared in church families around the world uh, as a means of sharing the love of Christ, so we're grateful for that. Uh, we do want to encourage you to be in prayer for the Hoyt family. Uh, Kathy Hoyt's mom went home to be with the Lord after uh, a few difficult years, just a joyful homecoming, and her text simply said this, that mom... Uh, has the privilege of uh, enjoying Christmas in heaven this year. And uh, so that's a beautiful thought. We've been praying for little Cam Trakowski. Uh, he had open heart surgery on Friday. I think Cam is seven years old. Is that, that's correct, right? And uh, he's doing great uh, up and walking. So he had surgery Friday, up and walking yesterday and telling him to slow down by Saturday, okay? So he is... Uh, Praise God uh, for that, uh, that blessing. Uh, good chance that he'll be sent home today, which is, that, like, is amazing. So uh, Romans 8 verse 3 is a verse that is not something I think we would typically think about for, as a Christmas verse, but I want you to think about what it says. It, said, it says, what the law was powerless to do to save me because of my sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a redeeming sacrifice for our sin. So I trust that as you think about the coming of Christ, that you will think about the reason for which Christ came. And that was to stand in his flesh in my place to bear my sins so that I could be forgiven and set free. So I trust that you'll think about that as we move through this season, that the ultimate uh, aim was our saving and our rescue by God, by His grace, and for His glory. Let's pray together this morning. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, as we come before you on this day, one week away from our celebration of the coming of your Son, uh, Lord, we're mindful that it is not, it's not a holiday in the sense that we celebrate it, but it is a wonderful day that we remember that God became flesh in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. And that, Lord Jesus, your aim, your purpose was to 
make a way for sinners to be forgiven and set free, to take away our guilt and to give us hope through your life and through your cross work. So this morning as we sing, Lord, let that truth be central to our celebration that we have hope because of the one that was born on the day that we remember next Sunday, Christmas Day. And that, Lord, is our day of hope. So glorify yourself in our song. Glorify yourself as the children sing. Let this be a beautiful day of rejoicing. And we pray these blessings in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And all God's people said, amen. See with us, Hark the Herald. Hark the Herald, angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise,
shining like the day the King of Heaven comes. And rise up, the King of Heaven rise up. And who can stand against us? You are strong to save in your mighty name, the King of Heaven comes. King of
You guys can be uh, seated out there in the congregation. We're going to have our children's choir make their way up to the stage for their presentation. Chapel family and welcome to the Chapel Children's Christmas Choir. Today we'll be singing three songs. But first, Michelle, I've been wondering, what do you do as a Christmas tradition in your family? Well, since I'm from Uganda, we celebrate Christmas differently. Um, like in the morning, we have a big breakfast. Plus, when we're cooking, we put some music so everyone's just dancing. So Lily, what do you do for Christmas? Well, in my family, we have handmade Christmas ornaments. Some of them were knitted by my great-great-grandma. Wow, that's really nice. But above all, I think it's Jesus who matters most. Yeah, because no matter where you are, no matter where you're from, Jesus loves you. And now please worship with us. Longing for a savior, a hopeless world would wait. Sin demanded justice at a price we could not pay. But God displayed his mercy, the greatest gift of a lamb. When we could not reach heaven, heaven came to us. 
His mother smiled in wonder. The shepherd stood in awe. The sacrifice of heaven lay sleeping in the the baby lying in a manger. The shepherd told everyone what had, had happened, and people were astonished. And Mary quietly treasured these things in her heart.
Okay, good morning. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing. Okay, don't worry. Um, children can be dismissed at this time. Children from, ver- from five years of age up to eight years of age, you can be dismissed for junior church in the back. So feel free to move back and do that at this time. All right, well, thank you very much, children, again for that. That was wonderful. And uh, I want to thank ladies that organized this. Very, very nice. Thank you. So I I was asked by one of my colleagues um, to keep it shorter today because the children were singing. So I will attempt to do that today for for the sake of everybody. Um, This week and next Sunday, Tim will be preaching next Sunday, we've chosen to actually look at passages from Paul on Christmas, which seems a little bit strange because Paul doesn't have any passage where he just elaborates on the details of Christmas like you find in the Gospels. Because for Paul, he can never look at Christmas, as Tim said earlier, apart from the cross. It's just, it's all a package for him. So we're going to be looking today at a passage in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. And as you're turning... um, Just to let you know, last evening, I did what I do almost every Christmas. And my my dear wife endures it with me, I suppose. But I I watched the Christmas Carol, uh, but always only the 1984 edition with George C. Scott. Okay, it's got to be that one, because I really like him as an actor. And so again, last night, we turned it on and watched that whole thing through. And I'm not endorsing its theology or anything like that. But um, it's just kind of a tradition that I do virtually every year. In it, Scrooge says this at the beginning of the movie. And if you've seen it, you've heard these words. He said, um, he's not very enthusiastic about Christmas, as you're aware. He said, if I could work my will... Every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled with his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. Not the best way to start off. However, after being visited by a series of apparitions and ghosts and so forth, he has a change of heart and says to the third apparition, the third ghost, this toward the end. I will honor Christmas in my heart. I will try to keep it all the year. And then Dickens ends the play by saying this. Scrooge knew how to keep Christmas well if any man alive possessed the knowledge. What does it mean for us to keep Christmas well? Well, one thing's for sure. The only people that can keep Christmas well are those who know the Christ of Christmas, right? We we, we know that. Doesn't mean other people can't enjoy it and can't be very nice. Scrooge was a very nice person at the end of the movie. Not saying that. But in Philippians, when, when when the text, when Paul is speaking about Christmas, he's speaking about to those specifically who have trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They they only trust him 
as the one who can forgive them of their sins, change their life, and bring them to heaven one day. They are the ones that Paul addresses in Philippians chapter 2. And in many ways, Paul is calling the Philippians to keep Christmas well. It's not always easy to do that, is it? I want you to think for a moment of our own age in which we live. It's it's an age in which we speak an awful lot about entitlements, don't we? And and, and if, if I don't like what you do to me, maybe I'll cancel you, or maybe I'll try to crush you in your opinion, and Wow, it doesn't seem real friendly sometimes, does it? The day in which we live. And and as believers, we would say, oh, no, no, that's that's not not right to do those things. And that's that's good. Um, But is there anybody in your life that you're annoyed with? Are there people when you see them in church, if not actually you think in your mind, your eyes kind of roll a little bit like... It's Henry. If your name's Henry, I'm not thinking of you, but whatever. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to find a name that nobody would know, but whatever. You know what I mean? And, and your eyes just go, oh, when you think of them. Or maybe Christmas time when you get together with extended fi- family, it's Uncle Henry. Whenever Uncle Henry shows up, who knows what's going to happen. So maybe it's somebody in the church. Maybe it's extended family. Maybe it's somebody in your immediate family. Who, who you just say to yourself, they annoy me. They don't value me the way they should. They don't do this to me the way they should and that the way they should. And they don't appreciate this. And maybe you're a young person. You're thinking that about your parents. Maybe you're a parent and you're thinking about, about your child. Maybe you're a husband or a wife thinking about your mate. And it's so easy for us to distance ourselves from people all through the year, including Christmas. Because they just, people bug us. They annoy us. They get in our way. We don't like them, frankly, even if we don't actually say it. You know, in the Philippian church, they were having similar problems. People were bickering and upset and not always feeling valued by the other person or appreciated and all these kinds of things. And so Paul just kind of, breaks through, and he's going to make this statement in verse 5. Listen to the statement. And and then what he's going to do is, he's going to tell us how we can actually keep Christmas well. But he says here in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So basically what he's saying is, if Christians are going to live Christmas, keep Christmas well. The only way they're going to do it is turning their eyes away from themselves and turning them to the wonder of Jesus Christ. And there's something about that whole experience about letting God's spirit work in your heart from the inside out as you dwell on those things of Jesus which softens your heart back toward people in all of your relationships. A husband, a wife, a child, a parent, a church member, somebody at work, an extended family member, youth, whoever it is, we all got the list, don't we? We all got people on our list. When you think of that person, you go like, oh boy. I'm not like drawn to that person. I feel more like a magnet drawn away from that person, you know, or something like that. 
So what I want to do this morning, just for a few moments, is I just want to look at Jesus. And, and I'm not going to tell you some things like, oh, I never knew that before. I imagine most, if you've been around Christianity any period of time, you've heard this. But Paul had to remind the Philippians of what matters most. Because if they got that, they really could keep Christmas well. So what does he say? So here's just kind of a little slide, which um, there's already a mistake on it. Okay? So, so I know. Don't, don't tell me afterwards. I'll, I'll tell you. It should say verse 6, verse 7, and verse 8 rather than 6, 7a, and 7b, and 8, okay? And, and so that's all I'll say. So that's all I want to do. But basically, that's the message about Jesus right there, that diagram. I'm going to leave it up, and I'm just going to work you through the diagram, and then we're going to wrap it up and be done. Yes, exactly. I'll try. I'll try. That's all I can say. All right, okay. All right, 20 minutes. All right, 20 minutes. <laughs> no. Um. So what does he tell, what do we learn about Jesus Christ? And you can see up there, pre-incarnate, incarnation, exaltation. You know, when we, talk, when we use the word incarnation, it just means Jesus becoming human, okay? That's, so the term we use for it is incarnation. So the pre-incarnation is before he becomes human. Make sense? So that's pretty much all we're working through. Listen to what Paul says in verse 6 of Philippians chapter 2. So have this mindset in you which was in Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. So he pulls back for a moment and he says, I want you to think about Jesus Christ, God the Son, second person of what we call the Trinity, one essence, three persons. God, the Son. The, in, in, in eternity past, and, and you know, we can't even fully understand this because we all think in time categories. I, I get it. So what's it like to have a time before time? Theologians talk about it all the time, and it still gets confusing to me, to be perfectly honest with you. I just know it's true. There was complete, perfect fellowship within the Trinity itself, between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Wonderful, relational, every, everything. And at some point, God created this earth. And you know, man and woman went south very, very quickly. They rebelled against God, and ever since Adam and Eve, what we have found again and again and again is that everybody is born a sinner. Anybody that has children, I love children. I have six of them. But if you've ever been a parent, you believe in total depravity. You believe people are sinners, don't you? I mean, like you know it pretty early. My kid's about six months of age. It wasn't too long before they were looking at me. I'm trying to change his diaper, for goodness sake. I'm doing a good thing. Uh, uh. I'm trying to clean this mess up. You, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, that's humanity. We're all sinners. And, and God the Son, in concert with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, decided to become one of us. But, 
But to do that, this text says he was God, a very God, and he never stopped being God. He never stopped being divine. But neither did he say in the mystery of the Trinity at some particular point, hey, why do I have to go? Like, why, why can't the Father go or something? Like, I'm not gone. It's not, I have my rights, I have my privileges, I have all this glory. Did he say that? No. The beauty of the incarnation is God the Son said, I will, no, I, I will be completely God, but I will also be completely human at the same time. And the humanity in many ways seems like it clouds the divinity, but the divinity is there. And Jesus Christ says, I am willing to give up rights and privileges and glory and wonder. Because when people looked at Christ on this earth, when he would just walk by, nobody said like, wow, he's amazing to look at. No, he just looked like one of us. Just one of us. And Jesus Christ said, I will not grab on and say, I'm going to have privilege and I'm going to have clout and I'm going to blah, blah. He said, no, I'm willing to let that go. And in humble submission to the Father, I'm willing to come and become human. It's an amazing thing, folks. I, I, and, and you say, explain to me how Jesus can be 100% God and 100% man. I can't fully explain it to you. It's what the Bible says. It's a wonder. For all eternity, Jesus Christ is the God-man. It never changes. He loves us that much that he was willing to let go of certain privileges even though he was still completely God. And what I want you to notice in his descent down, there's kind of two movements. Now listen to what it says. Because what you're going to find in this passage is Jesus descends into glory. But watch, watch, watch what happens. Verse 7. Rather, this is what he did. Rather than grabbing on and holding on to that. And think about it in your own life. How often does Doug Finkbeiner grab on and say, people need to treat me a certain way because I... Do you, ever, do you ever say that? I'm a professor. They better call me doctor when I walk around the university. Really? Hey, I'm a pastor here. Who cares? You see how easy it is to do those things? We grab on to our titles or to our privileges or to God's gracious gifts to us. And we turn around and we manipulate them and we allow them to keep us from being close to people. And all I can say is when I look at my Lord, it changes everything. We'll come back to that. Rather, and notice the descent down. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, by being made in human likeness. Do you notice the track down? Here he is, God of very God, 
who takes on the form of a servant, which is typically translated slave in the New Testament. Jesus Christ was willing to serve and to be under the authority of the Father and to serve others. He was willing to take on that form and then not just an angel, but down to an actual human being himself. Do you see the movement down? He starts here, and he never loses his divinity, but in adding, you don't see it. And he comes not just in the form of a servant or slave. He comes as a human. And he walks this earth, and he looks very normal. Do you know he didn't start his earthly ministry, public ministry, until he was 30 years of age. Do you ever wonder what happened with Jesus for, all the, for those first 30 years? We have glimpses in, in, in the Bible. But man, one of the things I want to know, find out when I get to heaven, I, I want to know about the 18 years between the time he was 12 and 30. Like, what did you do? I think he'd tell me he's a carpenter, plying his trade, honoring God but you're the God man. Like you're the hope of the world. Yeah. And I've taken on the form of a human. What would it be like to be Mary? (laughs) To change the diaper of the creator God. You wonder when she initially pointed out the star's to him as a young child, if she thought, would you made that? <laughs> okay, I mean, like, I, I really want to interview Mary when I get to heaven. Don't you? Like, lady, you must have been really conflicted. But God comes in this defenseless form of a baby who cries in his need of his mother's milk needs to be fed and changed. If he falls and trips and hurts himself, his mother and his father would encourage. I mean, is that not humility? Is that that not giving up for us? So he, he did not hold on. He came, and he came as a baby, and he grew up, and he learned, and, and he grew and he developed relationships, did all the things people do. And the text says, he emptied himself. He he made himself nothing in comparison to where he was with all of his authority and privileges for us. But but it's not just that. It, it, It goes down deeper than that. Look at what he says in verse 8. And and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is the king of glory of life. He created life. And now as a human, he's going to be obedient to death, which he does, does not deserve and does not need to experience because he's never sinned. Can you see the downward movement? 
God in all of his glory doesn't just become a servant, doesn't just become a man. He's willing even to die. And even more than that, the text says, even death on a cross. See, Paul can't talk about Christmas without talking about the cross. Think about it. I've said this to you before, but if I came in here today and I had a cross around my neck, nobody would think anything of it. They'd say, like, hey, you know, all right, all right think finer or something, whatever. How about if I had a hangman's noose around my neck? An electric chair hanging around my neck. You go like, a guy's crazy. You'd be right. Yeah, well, yeah, probably is anyway. But, but none, you'd have all kinds of thoughts, wouldn't you? You'd go like, I don't think I'm coming back to this church. <laughs> so we, we, we love the cross. You would never have worn a cross prior to the death of Christ. You wouldn't have thought about it. Because it was the worst kind of suffering that they could imagine to take a person through. The Romans probably got it from the Phoenicians. Some debate, but probably. And they wanted to look for something that would just be completely painful. You would elongate somebody's death and you, could, you would become a testimony to everybody else saying, you mess with Rome, that's what happens to you. Nobody walked by the cross of, of, uh, when Christ was on the cross and said like, Oh, wow, praise the Lord, the Lord of glory who is dying for us on the cross. God, thank you so much. Oh, this is, did they? No, they derided him. Hey, if you're the one, come down, deliver yourself. Maybe we'll believe in you, maybe. No, they mocked him. And they jeered. And they hurt him in every way imaginable. And people didn't walk by and say, this is great. People walked by and said, the normal guy probably walked by and said, he's just getting what he deserves. And Jesus said, in his love for humanity, he was willing not to grasp and hold on to all of the privileges of deity. He was still divine. He was willing not only to be a servant, but to be a human. And not just a human, but one that was actually willing to die. And specifically on a cross where people would never give him the honor that he was due in the moment. Why? 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 Because there was no other way. The entire world of rebels was on a crash course to eternal destruction. And the son loved us so much that he came and lived the life we could never live and died the death we all deserved. And he did it so that on the cross of Calvary, all of the wrath of God that should be directed to Doug Finkpiner, to you, was now placed on him he paid for that sin so that I could go free. And you could too if you trust him as your savior. Isn't that beautiful? 
I mean, that's what Jesus did. You don't see anything along the way saying, hey, hey, I'm this and what. No, no, just humility and submission and, and trusting in the Father all the way through. Makes me think of that passage over in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He who was rich became poor that you might become rich. I mean, that, that's the gospel. That's what God, that's the good news. That's the best news of Christmas, period. But the text doesn't end, end there, does it? There is this descent down in verses six to eight, and then there is this ascension that happens, this movement up, this exaltation in verses nine to 11. Let me read it quickly and make a couple comments. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That name is probably Yahweh from Isaiah chapter 45. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus didn't stay in that grave, did he? No, no, he came out of that grave. He resurrected. He ascended to heaven. He sits now at the right hand of the Father, and he's coming back one day. I don't know when. We were talking about it in Sunday school today. I hope, it's, I hope it's today. I know children are saying, can it just be like maybe the day after Christmas? But I get it. I, I get it. I get it. But, but he's coming back, and he's the Lord of lords, and he was given this position, and here's the bottom line. Everybody in here will bow the knee to Jesus Christ one day. Do you know that? You will bow the knee and you will say, he alone is Lord. He is Yahweh, God. He deserves all glory. You will either do it on this side of the grave or you'll do it on the other side. But then it'll be too late. This is the day and the time to bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's what this text tells me. Because Paul's not giving it primarily as a gospel message. It is, I mean, it's, it's, it's glorious. He's given it for Christians and telling us how we should then live. And I've often thought about it like this. Think about a V. Watch me here. So here's a V. All right. I got to reverse it, I'm sorry, this way for you, right? Because you're going from left to right and my, mine's backwards. Okay, here's the V, all right? Think about this. Jesus Christ starts in his pre-incarnate state with all the glory of, of deity. He becomes human and ultimately dies on the cross for my sins. Got it? And then he's exalted, and his exaltation now is bound up in his obedience to the Father in coming and dying for us. So it's like a yeet, yeet kind of thing, right? Where do I start when it, when it comes to giving up rights and all those things? Do I start here? Folks, I was never deity. I will never be deity. You know where I start? I don't know. I start like right about there maybe. I don't even know where to put it. And 
do I ever sacrifice and humbly give up so much that I die for the sins of the world and know what it means to be abandoned by the Father in a way that's a complete mystery to all of us because he loved us so much? I never go there. Jesus does this. Doug Finkbeiner goes, Eat. at the best. That's it. Eat. That's my life. Right there. Nothing else. But this gives perspective to this. If Jesus would go through all of that for me, he who is the exalted Lord, the one I worship and serve, how could I do less? I mean, really? Yeah, but my uncle Henry really annoys me. I know, I know, we all have him. My child bugs me sometimes. My parent bugs me sometimes. My sibling bothers me. My husband, my wife, whatever. And in those moments, it's so easy for me to grasp, grasp, grasp. She should be treating me like this because I'm this. I'm a husband and I'm a father and I'm this. this. I'm always calling out my role and you go, what you got to do for me. And this text says, let it go. God's got your back. You are freed to move into that relationship in humility and obedience to the Father for his glory to know what it means to really sacrifice to that person. In a way that I become more like Jesus when I do that. And That situation which seems so terrible and hard is also this wonderful opportunity to be transformed more into the image of Jesus Christ himself. What if we live like that, folks? Keep Christmas well by focusing well on Christ. I don't know what else to tell you but that. The more your mind is completely overwhelmed, with the wonder that he has come. And the wonder that he has died. And the wonder that he is the exalted Lord coming back one day. Changes everything about the way I live. Will you let him do that work in your life? Will you take that person you're thinking about and turn that into a prayer request? And watch what God can do. Father, it is so easy for us to get caught up into gifts that you give us at Christmas. Trees and wonderful family relationships and and traditions and lights and, and songs. And all that stuff's great, Lord. All that stuff... They're wonderful gifts from you. Thank you for them. We enjoy them. But Father, will you help us to keep Christmas well, not only on Christmas, but all year long because we know Christ. Will you help us to think afresh and much about him and and try to enter into the wonder of the incarnation because it's, It's just completely unbelievable, and yet it's true. 
And will you allow that through your spirit to soften our heart, to move us back into all of our relationships as different people? It's because of Jesus Christ and him alone that we pray. Amen. from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt
time we've been able to share. I want you to be seated just for a quick moment. We have one quick announcement. I'm going to ask Dave and Patty if you guys would come on up here. So, so this young couple is moving to Richmond, Virginia. So uh, wanted to have you guys come up and uh, just, just say a, a few brief things. I think the text that Doug spoke from this morning uh, is so appropriate. Uh, so you guys started attending, is it six years ago, right? Yeah. So we were in the process of finishing uh, this building that you're sitting in now, and there was a whole lot of sweeping to be done. And uh, no one else was volunteering, but this man, uh, from the first Sunday they came, started coming around and pitching in with all of the... Uh, simple tasks that needed to be done, but that were critical to getting this project done. Uh, Patty, from day one, a lady that loves the Lord, who has shared in prayer with many, many people within her church family. And uh, so God's moving them away, which is bittersweet, right? Very happy because they're going to be moving to be with their, uh, two of their daughters and their family's grandchildren, which is a good thing. Uh, down in Richmond, so uh, I just I just wanted to bring them up and uh, let you know that uh, Anna Matthews is going to be taking the position that Dave has been serving in as the admin for our church, and then Dave Alliger is going to be taking over the role of financial secretary in our church. So uh, the roles that Dave has been filling uh, as an employee of the church, those uh, have been taken care of. We're very grateful to God for that. Uh, they will be missed. Uh, some people, when they leave your church, leave a hole, okay? Uh, there is a, a vital and important role that they have been filling in our church family. And that's the thing I wanted to say to you guys. Thank you for being an example of the text that we've looked at this morning. All right, but I want to pray over them. I want to ask you to stand with us as we pray. Father God in heaven, we are so thankful for the relationships that you give us in Christ. Uh, for people that, because of their uh, genuine commitment to Jesus, leave a mark on our lives. And uh, Lord, when Dave and Patty go, it will, uh, it will leave a mark. Uh, there will be roles to be filled and uh, ministry to be done because of their absence. Uh, God, we thank you for them, and we thank you that you brought them to us for this season. We pray for their uh, transition, all the things that have to happen over the next month as they process the selling of their home, purchase of a new home, and uh, the transition. I pray that you will lead them to a church where they can be the blessing uh, to them that they have been to us. Uh, so, God, pour your favor over them and protection over them. Uh, Lord, I failed earlier to thank you for uh, the success of Cam's surgery. And, uh, Lord, I just wanted to express our deep gratitude for the work that you did in his life this week. 
for protection and favor for, uh, you know, for his mom and dad, uh, for, for Lee and Ashley. God, just ask your blessing to rest on them and on Addison, his sister, as they walk through this time with uh, little camp. Uh, God, protect his life, keep him from all infections, and I pray that there would be no complications moving forward. We trust you to bring good news and great usefulness to his life. Bless the fellowship that we enjoy now in the cafe. God, let us be Jesus to one another this morning. I pray in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be dismissed.